MPJ shines as he finally gets back on track. The Nuggets stage a cold-blooded win. What will they look like in the second game of the back-to-back versus the Kings? All that and more on Locked on Nuggets. You are Locked on Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast, part of the Locked On Network, your team every day. Thanks for making this your first listen. We appreciate you guys joining us on all platforms that you can join us at, including YouTube, where you can join folks hanging out in the chat section every day as we record the show. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network. Joined by Adam Mares of DNVR. You can follow him at Adam underscore Mares. Check him out on the DNVR pre and post game show before and after every Nuggets game. So the Denver Nuggets get the win versus the Sacramento Kings on Tuesday night. They get that dub 113-106 trail for the most of the game. Start the comeback in the second half. Play excellent defense. Lockdown in clutch time. Get it all done. And a big part of the reason that they really get it done was Michael Porter Jr. 12 of 20 from the field, 5 of 9 for three-pointers, five three-pointers made, six rebounds, two assists, two steals, 30 points for MPJ, and a plus 14. Only got to the line twice in the, or for two free throws in this game and still put up 30. Uh, Adam, what did you see from MPJ last night? I mean, I saw a lot. He was phenomenal, and not even just in the scoring. I mean, the scoring... You look up at one point, I think he had 19 points at the half, and it was almost a surprise. Like you knew he'd gotten a bunch of these little, you know, bunnies here or there. But um, I thought it was the other stuff that shined as much as the scoring. I mean, the three-point makes are really big. And it, it felt like he got the monkey off his back, so to speak, after missing the first couple of them. Then the floodgates open. But to me, it was all the other stuff that he did that I thought impacted the game. Just this is a sign of a player to me that's maturing with him this year. You know, he's tried, I thought in the first part of the season before he got injured, I thought he was trying to be smart with his shot selection, not really forcing a whole lot. He's entered a little bit of a slump, comes back from the heel injury. And I think over the last six quarters has tried to impact the game just in other ways through hustle plays. And that brought about his offense in this last game. So very impressive game from him uh, and a very encouraging one, not just what happened, but how it happened. I think one of the good, the really good signs for MPJ is that we're no longer really like, it is less surprising. It's not like, Oh, Hey, like this was a real step forward for him in terms of like, it's, he's just, like he's an NBA player, so he does the things. Like he does, he has games where he contributes on multiple ends, uh, on multiple sides of the game, and that's, that I think is really encouraging. Um, it, the first part of the game, I think, honestly, a lot of it was, was, I thought it was just was missing pretty good looks. I didn't necessarily think that right. the Nuggets yep. played badly. I thought they were just behind because they're on the road and we're missing some shots. Um, and then the second half, once again, their clutch defense kind of comes through for them. Uh, we'll talk more about MPJ in the second segment, but. What did you see in terms of like how this game turned around and how the Nuggets were able to kind of storm back in this one? I mean, honestly, I know it sounds cliche, but a lot of it was just the energy. I thought the team's energy in the second half coming out of halftime, you saw a noticeable difference in in just how focused they were. I thought it started with Jokic, um, but it was a lot of guys, but they just looked more focused and more locked in and they closed the gap. It really started at the end of the second period, but in earnest in that third period with Denver just said like, no, we're better than this team. Uh, and started winning all of the little bat battles, um, you know, the 50-50 balls, the rebounds, all those different things. 
I, I called this on on Twitter a cold blooded win, and you and I were kind of talking about it before the show, and and you disagree with me on this. For me, like I've seen them stage comebacks. I've seen them versus bad teams, and I don't think the Kings are a bad team this year. I've seen them versus bad teams be like, yeah, we're gonna screw around, and then we'll win because they're bad. This didn't feel like that. This felt like a team that really buckled down and was like, they smell blood once the, the Kings let them back in it. Um, like gave them an opportunity that you're right. They did for improve the energy, but it wasn't like this big emotional comeback. The, the nuggets were just like, Nope, it's we're better. We're going to execute. We're going to execute you. And we're going to be able to put distance between us and you based off of how much better we are than you. Um, that is not something I think the nuggets have been a lot over the past four seasons. They've been a great team, but they haven't been that team. So that was an impressive element. I thought of this one. And they're supposed to win that one, Matt. I mean, without Sabonis, you know, I know the Nuggets were without AG, um, but Sabonis to me is a bigger piece of Sacramento than AG is to Denver. Both of them very important. So I think you were supposed to win that one. Denver was favored going into it, and it didn't happen in the way that you kind of thought, you know, Denver wire to wire or whatever. But they did, to your point, they were the more talented team, and they decided that, hey, we're not going to let this one get, uh, you know, fall through our fingertips. And then your point, I can't remember, are we doing that in this segment? But there is something to this Nuggets team. All year, we've been... I, I'm over the hump of being frustrated with them. Like, I'm actually now impressed with the Nuggets. This last two-week stretch has gotten me over the hump with that. They are the second best... They have the second best record in the NBA. But all season, they have had a gear that they could get to. Most of the time, it was only for five or six minutes. In this game, it was for a half. They have a gear where they can get to where you go, yeah, that's a good team. That's even a good defense. And I thought this was a game that was an example of that. First half, they were not that. Second half, they were. And it was enough to get a win. Especially without Aaron Gordon. Like, Aaron Gordon misses the yep. game with the shoulder injury, and they still are able to get it done. Uh, they do lose Bruce Brown in this one, which that's going to uh, cause the, the rotation is going to be fascinating to see what comes out tonight. We'll see who plays and who doesn't in this one. Um, but it was another they're losing bodies left and right, especially on the wing now with Jeff Green already out now, Bruce Brown. And then, you know, we'll see if AG's back tonight or not. Um, all that kind of, I think, plays a part in this. The NBA um, is crazy in this way, though, Matt. Like, the Nuggets just got their guys back. They had a complete game. They were, everybody was healthy. And now that was two games ago. And in two games, all of a sudden you look around and you go, oh my God, they're down like five guys. It's crazy how it seems to happen like this all the time. Yeah, uh, for whatever reason, teams just can't stay whole. Um, and it's frustrating, honestly. As somebody that consumes the product, it's frustrating for the teams because I know that every team has to deal with the, the idea of like, you know, they deal with these losses and having to answer questions about how they play. And they're like, we didn't have our guys, you know. Um, Jamal, that man, the air went out of that building when he hit that that prayer shot off of the in the night. Oh, man late in the game like that was um and like i want to be like that was an absolute prayer but he also like he didn't use bank he didn't even need the bank on it he just blocked it i mean it was a prayer but one of the things that separates bad teams from good teams is they have guys that make shots like that just a little bit more than other teams i mean it was a busted possession it was a bad possession and then you're like okay let's see if our <laughs> big time shot maker can make a big time shot and he did uh, this from Lycos. Nuggets are a bit like driving a diesel car. They need some time to wind up, but when they're on the run, they're hard to stop and just cruise. They do get downhill on you. That's one of the things I've noticed a lot this season. That's some of the clutch stuff, too, which we should talk about, is just like they get down. Once the Nuggets start to go downhill on you, it's very hard to stop them. 
like they the, the the momentum seems to go more and more as the game goes on. They don't start and stop outside of like the bench minutes, right? Like the starters are pretty consistent in terms of like trucking along. And if you hold them down for a little while, they're you're only slowing the momentum, and they do get better as the game goes on. Um, what do you think about the whole clutch thing? Like, there's a, a lot of arguments in the NBA. Um, where I've kind of come down on it is being clutch is better than not being clutch. Being clutch, the degrees of clutchness are often exacerbated by randomness. That um, part's true for sure. The the tail ends are, are kind of where we get to. So like the wor- I was looking at this morning in terms of the clutch team performances. Charlotte's the worst team in the league in the clutch. They're probably not as bad in the clutch as their outcome record should suggest. And neither the Nets, who are number one, nor Denver are as good as they've been in the clutch. But even if you shorten the tails, the Nuggets are still finding ways to, to out-execute whenever things are close. And that does help you, I think, particularly in training for how you need to be late in games in the playoffs when execution is so important. Uh, I mean, look, I think that there's something to this. I, I don't think it would be true of every team. This is where I'm going to speak out of both sides of my mouth. I don't think you can just look at the clutch numbers and go, okay, here's who's good in the clutch. And not just because of random randomness. I do think that watching the Nuggets, it's pretty clear when they're focused, especially on the defensive end. It's clear when they're not. I should say it's more clear when they're not focused. And and so when you look at the aggregate of, oh, they're 23rd in defensive rating or whatever, I do think that it's fair with this team to say, yes, but when push comes to shove, they can lock up. Their defensive rating in this game in the fourth quarter was 95.8 in the fourth quarter. I bet we see that a lot of games when it's close in the fourth quarter. Denver all of a sudden says, hey, we can get that to 105, 106 or below. And so for me with Denver, I actually do buy it. And then there was a great stat put out from friend of the show, Jake Coyne, a.k.a. Bronco Squatch last night. One small sample sizes in the clutch is what kills you. And in, even in a full season, the sample size can be small. He went back five years, and guess what? Denver one is Denver has been number one in the clutch over the five-year stretch. Best win percentage and, I believe, most wins. So um, to me, I think that that sample size now gets into something where you could say there's probably something to the way they play and maybe even the personality of their team that they can execute in those high-leverage moments on both ends of the court. Never rushed. And that I think there's one guy probably that – Plays a big part in that. Uh, let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk more about MPJ. I want to talk about um, a few more things, including a comment from somebody in the chat that talks about how playing down to your competition may be a way to get through the regular season, but they can't play with their food during the playoffs. I'll talk a little bit about my response to that after the break. But first, I want to tell you about prize picks. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. You just pick two to six players, and whether they'll score more or less than their projections, and you can win up to 25 times your money. It's not you versus everybody else. You're not having to deal with the people that spend all day building models. It's just you versus the projections. And they offer it on any sport that you want to watch. NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA, all of the college sports, soccer, WNBA, eSports, NASCAR, tennis, Eurobasket, all of things, uh, cricket, and more. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's just that easy. And they offer safe and fast withdrawals. They're currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. Download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up today and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. And if you deposit $100, Prize Picks will give you $100. And if you deposit $50, well, they'll give you $50. Don't forget to enter promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. We'll be right back on Locked On Nuggets. 
Thanks for making Locked On Nuggets your first listen every day. Make sure to check out Locked On Sports today. The biggest stories around the sports world in 20 minutes or less. Plus instant reactions, game recaps, and Locked On Take of the Day. Locked On Sports today, available on YouTube or wherever you get podcasts. Segment two here, back with Adam Morris. So Charles said this before we went to break. He said... You know, playing down to your competition may be a way to get through the regular season, but they can't play with their food during the playoffs. So I had a GM call me yesterday, and I'm not humble bragging on that. Um, I had a GM call me yesterday, and he was actually asking me, he's like, why is it that everyone seems beatable? He was like, all the teams, nobody's really awful outside of San Antonio and maybe Charlotte, and even San Antonio got a win the other night. Um, and so, like, they're still able to kind of find these wins. Everybody's kind of struggling. Everybody's going through ups and downs. Everybody seems very vulnerable. It seems very much on any given night and was just basically talking about the parody. So the other thing I would say is like, I don't think the Nuggets play with their food. I think that we have this idea that That's other amazing. teams, I think when it's not your team, you think that these other teams are just like, well, they just go out and they beat everybody by 20 and they're up in the first quarter by 20 and that's it through the entire game. And it's like not the case. One, the Kings are a pretty good team this season. I would not describe them as food. Um, the Rockets are food. <laughs> right. Uh, the Kings are not food this season too. If you look at it, a lot of times the Kings, the Suns are down after the first quarter, the Celtics are down at the half and then they pull away in the second half. They make the, they separate themselves out over the course of a hundred possessions and they get separation. This is a season where we're seeing higher parity than ever. So um, I think the Nuggets may have played with their food early in the season when their effort level was lower. But this last month of play, I think it's hard to argue that Denver's doing that. And I think we have to keep in mind that you're just you're not going to blow every team out by 30 points in the first quarter and then keep it on the entire game. It's not how it goes in the NBA. They literally have the second best record in the NBA. <laughs> like yeah. the argument you're making, if you think, oh, Denver is the only team that does this, is that they should be the number one team in the NBA. They should have the best record, which look, maybe. But I think given the fact that they had so many the, such a road-heavy schedule, the fact that they had COVID hit them and lost Michael Porter and have Jamal Murray coming back, I just think you – I think, again, the last two weeks for me have been a get-over-the-hump stretch for, for me for Denver where I'm like, I know that this team can be good. They weren't looking good, but they were getting wins. Now I think they've looked good for long enough stretches against good teams that I look at it and I go, yeah, this is a – you know, this is just a good team. And by the way, I do think there is something too <laughs> – it's easy to sit on your couch eating potato chips and asking why a guy isn't playing hard for 48 minutes. I think when you're actually out on the court, you probably have a bit better sense of what's needed, where are we? You know, when the Nuggets are down 20 and you're just sitting on the couch, it feels hopeless. Maybe when you're playing, it's like, I know what we need to do. We need to do this thing and we're going to cut it to 10. And then in the third quarter, we need to do this thing and we're going to cut it to five. And then we're going to be with straight and striking distance. So... I don't know. This team is second best record in the NBA. They're playing really well. They're 10 and 8 on the road this year, which is phenomenal. And they're 12 and 3 at home. And Matt, two of those losses came in a row during COVID, yeah. the, the COVID stretch. So part of me looks at this and goes, I think Denver is, I'm, I'm just so encouraged by Denver. Uh, the, the last two weeks have really gotten me over the hump to where I'm like, this team is really good and in position now to grow into their best self with the rest of the season. The what's wrong with the Denver Nuggets episode seems so long ago. So, so, it really does. So long ago. Uh, so I think uh, somebody kind of commented on this in the in, in the chat, and I thought it was an interesting one, which is basically like, look, if we as long as we have Jokic and one of MPJ or Jamal plays well, we're going to win most games. And that, that might be P Zamora peeking too early. 
man, this is the nature of fan fanhood. You're no, just he's, nervous he's, all he's, the time. He's, they're, they're joking with me. That's because like I've I've claimed the Celtics were peaking too early. Like I'm very big on the idea that you shouldn't peak too. It's early. possible. I'm just saying. I this the one thing I've learned from covering the Nuggets for eight years now is that you're never happy in the moment as a sports fan. You're always happy afterwards when you get the win, but during it, you're always nervous. You won by twenty. Is this a bad thing? Like what? Yeah. Nuggets, are, yeah. Nuggets have a five-game winning streak. Is this bad? I By mean, the way, a, I know he's joking. I know you're joking. It, it's also funny because, I mean, I do this a lot in, in the, the betting stuff, right? Because it's like um, there's this idea in the betting space that if a team has won five in a row, like, oh, I think this is a great letdown spot, right? you know? Right. And I've gone, gone the other way where I'm like, I'm just not going to bet it because this team's been rolling. And until they stop rolling, I'm not going to go against them. Um, but there are like letdown spots. Like I was mad at myself for not betting the Suns last night because the Grizzlies got really amped for their Christmas Day game and then got smoked and then came home and were basically downtrodden and the Suns stomped on them. So like there's stuff like that that goes on. Again, the course of the NBA season is long and it's got lots of peaks and valleys and emotional ups and downs. And that's one of the reasons why all the veterans are always talking about staying even keeled. Like veterans just don't want to be affected by anything. They just want to move on to the next game and kind of do that. Like uh, Joker was talking about how he just, you know, he doesn't think of anything except the next game. That's all he really thinks about. So, um, Real quick, I guess the, to wrap up the MP, MPJ conversation, because I feel like we didn't give him enough push in that first segment. Um, offensively, it's nice to see him starting to drive a little bit. It's nice to see him actually looking to attack a little bit more. Um, late in the game on the one that was a 9-1-1 play, he did dribble into help, and then like the play got a little messed up and stuff like that. I'm actually okay with things like that because I just want him, I want him to fail to work out how to do these things. Like it's important that MPJ takes possessions to expand his game from just catch and shoot to developing into a three level scorer. Cause he really needs to be that to reach what he can be in the league. And that'll help the nuggets as well. I mean, I don't know how much I agree about that one. I mean, last night you're right that he got Ooh. to the rim a lot on cuts. Well, here's the thing I'm thinking, Matt is, you know, the Nuggets are Michael are, are Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic on offense and some guys that are really good role players. Aaron Gordon has shined the most, but most of his baskets are of the role player variety, meaning Denver created an advantage outside of him, and then he was the one that took advantage of it. He was out the game yesterday, and Michael Porter had his best game, you know, the last three. And I do wonder if there's just a little something to that. It's easier to shine. Like, you only can have one third best player. And I just wonder if it was like, hey, he stepped into that role last night. Again, I'm not trying to be up the hot take here. I just, it's one thing to kind of consider that there were more shots to go around, more moments for him to step in and, and fulfill that. Um, and we'll see. I would love to see both Gordon and Porter playing at the at the level that both of them are capable of playing at. We'll just see if if, if you get that. What did you think about the decision to start Zeke last night? <laughs> I liked it. I, I'll tell you what, it, to me, it's a little bit, you could have gone small there and used Michael Porter at the power forward spot. I'm glad he did not. I'm glad that Michael Malone decided to stay long. And I thought Zeke, this is going to sound really weird because Zeke was not good. I thought Zeke was effective last night. The Nuggets had a 94 defensive rating when he was on the court. He picked up six fouls in 15 minutes. That's bad. Putting teams in the bonus is bad and fouling is bad. But you know what? Zeke Najee is not an important enough player for it to really matter. And if you're defending while you're on the court, I'll take it. So so we were talking about this last night, but um, the the level to which you go 
Zeke has to scale it back, scale it back, whatever. I, I go and I say, he needs to play hard and learn how to not foul while playing hard. So to me, I was fine with it. It worked well. He closed with Vlaco Chanchar, which are, had Vlaco Chanchar out there for a big part of the clutch. And I thought Vlaco played well as well. So I'm fine with Zeke. He does have to stop fouling though. What do you think? I I thought he was fine. I thought it was okay. I didn't think it was necessary. I thought it was a fine matchup for him too. I didn't think it was a bad matchup. And you know, I think it was. I I honestly, uh, people have been really praising Malone's rotations lately. I think because he's mostly because he's playing the young guys, but he actually rotations actually have been good. Um, but on top of it, like I like that he tried something, right? Me too. Like he's he's been looking to see he's willing and this shows a level of confidence with malone that he is off of the ledge where he was i think two three weeks ago once they started think malone feels like now like all right let's take a look and see what like let's try zeke at the power forward spot and let's see what that looks like next to nicola like let's try this out and see kind of how it goes um the point about zeke though is i would rather him go big than go small in those moments so whether it was zeke or vladko I'm just glad he didn't go like Davon or Bruce or something like that and just play really small. I'm glad he, I'm glad he decided to stay big. Um, let's go ahead and take a break. We'll come back and we'll talk about the Kings game and we'll take a look. Um, we'll just keep talking about this game and a little bit more on it as well as a look ahead to what's coming up for the Nuggets. We'll do that when we come back on Locked On Nuggets. But first, betonline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You get the latest odds and trends from every professional and amateur league out there, pro football, college football, basketball, and World Cup. They've got it all at betonline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can find those at betonline as well. Fastest and easiest way to get all your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. We'll be right back on Locked On Nuggets. Back here on Lockdown Nuggets. Thanks for joining us and making this part of your day. Appreciate you guys being with us and making this your first listen. So final segment kind of wrapping up here uh, as we talk about this win over the Kings as the Nuggets continue to kind of thrive. Um, I think you know, let's, I, we're going to ha- keep having the conversation because it's a big part of it. 19 minutes for Bones Highland. He has five points on two of nine shooting. Does have six assists. What did you think of Bones last night? I mean, I was kind of an outlier on him in that I, the thing I was encouraged by, I mean, again, he continues to struggle. He's going through it right now. This is a moment that is testing him and his resolve, but I was encouraged because I didn't think he forced shots, which it's like, if you list out all the things Zeke is, or I'm sorry, Bones is struggling with right now. If you could just take away one at a time, then I think it's a win. And that's kind of my point with him is he was not effective defensively. The second unit didn't roll while he was out there. But I didn't think he was forcing the shots that he had been forcing in previous games. So for me, I, I, and again, I think I'm alone on this. It was a step in the right direction, even if it was a bad game. I don't think you're you're wrong on that. I don't I don't think necessarily think I was because part of this is look, if we know that his overall shooting numbers are good, and we know that overall his shooting ability is good, and we both know both of those things then judging him just simply based off of the shooting percentages, I think is, is a poor approach. Defensively, I don't know what to do here, right? Like some guys are just going to be bad defenders and you just got to figure out ways to, to maximize what they're going to be capable of. You, you got, you're no, well, I mean, he's not, I don't think he's going to be a good defender, but he is below his capability this season, in my opinion. Like some of the what stuff, you- he is, some of the stuff he is screwing up are things of focus and effort, not necessarily like, Oh, he's incapable of doing that. Um, 
And and also probably focus. Like, where is his focus at? So that's an interesting question. Is like, so you think that he's just not like dialed in on enough on the defensive end? Malone always talks about this, and it's a great lesson. And this is why I think Michael Porter, I'm so encouraged with him, and he gets 30 points last night. To me, he had been in a slump, and he to put his put his focus over the last six quarters into just making hustle plays. If I'm not, if I can't count on my offense right now, what can I do? To, to impact the game. I can grab rebounds. I can try to defend. I get hands in passing lanes or whatever. To me, and this is why I'm encouraged by Bones' game last night, Bones' emphasis for the last, like, 10 games he's been healthy has been, like, I mean, as he in his own words, kill, score, get open, get the three, get those threes off. And he's taking shots at a rate nobody else on the team has been taking. So last night, the first step was scale that part down. To me, it's like shifting your focus to some other area. Now, that hasn't been on the defensive end, but maybe tonight it is. Like, okay, I've scaled down the – I'm not just looking to score. I'm looking to get other guys involved. I'm looking to get into the paint. I'm looking to do this or that. Hopefully tonight you've shifted even further and say, okay, now I'm just trying to stay in front of my man on pick and roll, and I'm going to try to get hands in passing lanes and close out under control. The more you can shift that to erasing the mistakes – even if you're missing shots, it's okay because you're still having a neutral impact. And again, he's not quite there yet, but I do think yet this last game was one step in the right direction. So they play them on this back-to-back. I've been calling them duplex sets. My guy Ken Barkley calls them these. Um, they're duplex sets where you play two of them, uh, a punt twice in a short amount of time. Um, this is a back-to-back, which is an interesting one, and both in Sacramento. Uh, the history of these suggests that if you're favored and you win the first one, you win the second one, but don't cover, but they're only three point favorites tonight or actually two and a half versus the Kings. I That's feel like this me. Why, why is Denver favored? First of all, who are they going to play? Who should they play tonight, Matt? No one. I agree. Like part of me thinks Murray for sure. Right. There's you just talked about Murray being tired. He should for sure rest tonight. Michael Porter is also coming back. I know he has a little momentum from that game, but to me, you protect those guys from themselves and don't let them play. Um, yeah, so I, I don't like I don't know what they're gonna do. I don't know how much of this is their call. I don't know if like this again, this is where it gets complicated. It's just like if Jamal came out and said, Look, I'd rather not be playing this many minutes, but this is what the team needs me to do then that's an indication like that would be a very clear indication of there being a disconnect. It'd be very weird for him to say that, but a lot of this, like the players do get to get like the players get a say in this, like the players get to decide. Uh, The smart thing though, is Jamal sits, Nicola sits. Okay. (laughs) Jamal sits, I think is very likely Mm -hmm. Porter. Maybe not just because he's only been back a few games. Like you could probably play him, right? <laughs> like how many did he play it would last? Be insane night? to me to play Porter tonight. My God, he played less than thirty. There is no travel. If you want to say one thing about a back-to-back, I think half of the difficulty of a back-to-back is the travel in between. You get in, lay it. You know, they did get a full night's rest presumably last night, so. It's not a full back. To- I'll call this. This is not a full back to back. This should there should be another word for the not non travel back to back. But yeah, back, I, back to bed. I would I would rest as many guys as possible. Maybe not Joker just because like I get well. I guess here's the thing. I wouldn't mind if they rested Joker. I don't think they have to just because he's pretty consistently said. Um, 
that he like he feels like he's in good condition and like if he gets to a point where he is tired then he'll probably say something yeah right like i guess here's a question is just like if joker's not tired and he doesn't show any signs of fatigue and the training staff says there's no wear and tear do you, what's what's the drawback yeah i mean it's so true i I don't know. This is a tough one. I, Murray and Porter to me are out. If Jokic plays, then I can see Aaron Gordon playing, depending on how the shoulder feels. If Murray and Porter are out, but also Aaron Gordon's out, uh, it just would be good to get two more days of rest for him or this or that. Then at what point do you say, okay, what are we doing with Yoke? Why are we going to play Yoke if nobody else is playing? The only answer I'll give you, Matt, is as I mentioned, I thought Bones took a step in the right direction mentally. If Bruce Brown is out, Jamal Murray's out, this is a great opportunity for Bones to play with Jokic, which we know is one of the rare ways that you can get a player to play well is put him there with Jokic. It's like that would be a good practice game for Bones to hopefully establish some better habits and get in a better rhythm and maybe even regain some confidence that I think he is short on right now. So to me, that would be the one that's the one thing I'm looking at in this game going, this could be a good opportunity for Bones to kind of have a low leverage opportunity to get back into rhythm. Is uh, Jack White with the, with the Rapids? Yeah, and Peyton Watson, both of them, yeah. I wonder if they'll recall him, though. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see if they recall him today. Because like part of this just gets into the number of guys available. So let's say AG can't go and Bruce can't go and Jeff can't go. Okay? So if you sit, that's three. Um, if you sit Porter and Murray, that's five. Now you're down, like, this is literally your rotation, is Bones... Like, I don't think it's fair to be like KCP needs to play. Like, I actually think KCP could use an eye off too. He's a vet for sure. He could. <laughs> so like you do have to have like eight guys to get through the game, you know, like you got to have guys to get through the game. All right. Here's my hot take. We've talked through this. I've got a new hot take. Okay. It would be a really cool thing for KCP to rest. Maybe AG takes another one. Murray Porter as well. And Jokic looks at a struggling bench and says, here, I'll play with the sole purpose of let's get this bench going. This is me and the bench. I'm going to be out there. Give these guys some confidence. Try to get bones going. Try to get Christian Brown going. Uh, Zeke Najee, try to get him going. It would be a cool thing if, especially if they got a win. I mean, if, imagine how good that unit would feel if they were to go in there without the starting group and got a win tonight. It would be a good emotional boost. So will it happen? I don't know. But this is the fan fiction I'm going to write for myself, that this is okay. a get All the right. bench right game. And Matt. another notch in the Jokic like, leadership role of, hey, he took one for the team here to get these guys' confidence back. See, I go the exact opposite where I'm like, it doesn't help them at all to play with Jokic. I'm just like, you can't have the crutches. You're going to have to learn to walk on your own. Hey, man, you get crutches. When, you, when, you, when you're hobbled, you start with crutches. <laughs> That's actually the first step. Right now, they're not walking. You might as well give them the crutches so they can – get their footing. And, and honestly, I do think with bones, there's a level of confidence. I mean, Michael Porter made a three last night and the floodgates open. Then he made second, third, fourth, fifth. I do think there's something with bones where if you can get him a good stint, a good quarter, I do think the next one becomes a little bit easier, but right now he's just having tough shooting stretch, tough, tough shooting stint after touch, tough shooting stint. And I just think he needs to feel good about things. Uh, Fernando has this question, and I want to talk about it for a second, which is, uh, said, Matt, I understand the nine-man bench rotation and with rookies getting spots, but is there a point where Braun needs, Brown needs to be in the rotation every night, Christian Brown? Um, 
My thing with it is that one, you're going to see Christian Brown in the rotation because all of their wings are hurt. Right. So like he's going to play and that's part of the equation. Whenever you go into a season is like guys will get moments whenever guys are hurt. Um, My thing with Christian Brown is that I have said that he needs like, you should not be playing Davon Reed over him. That doesn't make any sense. And that there are minutes to be found that Christian Brown needs to take them. I am not of the opinion that Christian Brown needs to play no matter what. I am not of the opinion that like Christian Brown is essential to this team's chances of success. This team can win without Christian Brown. This team's good enough to win without Christian Brown. This team may need to win without Christian Brown in the playoffs. Does Christian Brown help? I think so. Is Christian Brown a playoff level guy? I think so. I love Christian Brown. Like, how can you not think that he's awesome? I also don't think that Christian Brown is like an elite NBA player that makes everyone better and must be on the floor yet. Like, it's okay if he doesn't, like, again, has not played in some of these big wins, and that's been okay. Like, Christian Brown is is not, he's really good, and I think, like, next year, he'll have an even bigger role. Honestly, part of this is, like, I think think Christian Brown's making Bruce Brown expendable, which is wild. It's crazy. But I think it's, it's partially true. So. Yeah. We'll see. Should be a weird one tonight. Should be a weird one tonight. All right, that's going to wrap it up. Thanks for joining us, everybody, on Locked on Nuggets. Appreciate you guys being a part of the show. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Leave those five-star reviews. We'll be back tomorrow with a recap of the second Kings game. Until then, make sure you have yourselves a great day. We'll see you again next time on Locked on Nuggets. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Super Light Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Code SUPER24.